In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. I'm almost never lost anymore. Geographically, that is. Sometimes I'm plenty lost in my own head. But by the grace of Google and that little device that goes with me wherever I go, at any moment I can figure out just where in Chicagoland I might be finding myself. In some sense, that's a great gift. In another sense, I'm, I've shackled my location to a tool. I teach up at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School up in Deerfield, and, and I can now, a year and a half into this job, find my way up there without my phone. But I couldn't tell you the roads that I take to get there. I think at some point I'm on 355, and eventually I end up on Half Day Road. But in between, I don't know. I've just gone where the, the lady tells me to go on my phone. I can always know where I am, and I can share my location with you on some app, and we can always know where we are. But I'd like to think with you a bit this morning, not about my location, but about God's location. We might ask, where is God? Does God have a GPS coordinate? Can he share his location with me? Can I pull up my phone and say, take me to God? Well, I suspect you know the answer to this question already. Where is God? God is here, and he's there, and he's everywhere. Well, easy enough. Maybe I should just end here. We can go get ready for that game later on today. But maybe it's not so easy as that. For we might get the right answer when we look at the scriptural portrayal of God. It is true that he is in all places and at all times everywhere. And yet there seem to be some places, some times, that admit of, we might say, is more of God's presence. God is everywhere, and so it's always true whenever to just say, God is here. But there are some times and, and some places where, with a cry of joy or even a shuddered whisper, we say, God is here. On the cry of joy side of that exclamation, God is that in whom we live and move and have our being. And, and David, in Psalm 139, takes great comfort in the presence of God. He writes, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. God is everywhere, and so for David, there's no place that David can go that's beyond the reach of God's comforting grasp. And yet on the shuddered whisper side of the exclamation, God is here, the presence of God can be threatening, dangerous. Recall the moments after Adam and Eve ate of that fateful fruit. The text says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And Adam says to God, I heard the sound of you, and I was afraid. Or we can catch the posture that Isaiah has when he's caught up into the throne room of God where the seraphim are continually floating around crying, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah can't help but exclaim, woe is me, for I am lost. Or in our reading from the prophet Malachi this morning, the presence of the Lord is anything but an occasion for comfort. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? I will draw near to you for judgment, says the Lord. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who, who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, 
the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. God's coming to his temple, so watch out. The presence of God, it seems, is something of a two-edged sword. Maybe to use an overused phrase, it comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. And God's presence in God's temple is a significant aspect of God's presence in, in Scripture. Temple's just our, our dwelling place, our, our term for a dwelling place of, of the deity, a term we routinely use in Christian and non-Christian contexts alike. So temple in Scripture has this connotation of a dwelling place of God. God dwells in light inaccessible, yes. God dwells in the heavens and the highest heavens, yes. But sometimes God comes to dwell in specific places for specific times, for specific purposes, here with us humans. Such was God's presence in the tabernacle described in Exodus. The tabernacle, Israel's portable temple, was a, a locus of God's presence with God's chosen people. Exodus 40, 34 describes the moment when God's presence concentrates on this location. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. A similar phenomenon of God's descent occurs once Solomon builds a permanent temple, a permanent dwelling for God. In 2 Chronicles 7, we see that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And like Moses, the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. I think reading with the grain of scripture, we find God doesn't cease to be located everywhere in these instances. Rather, in addition to being located everywhere, God dwelled with his people in these specific locations. And continuing on, in continuity with these instances of God's dwelling with God's people, I think it's all the more striking how John the Evangelist describes the arrival of God in a most unique way, in the person of Jesus Christ. In verse 14 of John 1, we learn that the Word, who was with God and who was God, became flesh and dwelled among us. In the incarnation, God did not just come to dwell with us, God came to dwell as one of us. As our epistle reading has it this morning, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, for he was made like his brothers and sisters in every respect. This incarnational motif of God's dwelling with God's people is the purview of today's feast. Here we commemorate the 40th day uh, after Christ's birth, Christ's presentation in the temple according to the law. Forty days ago, we celebrated Christ's birth. And yet, nine months prior to that, we commemorated the actual first instant of the incarnation, the Annunciation to Mary by the angel Gabriel. Our own Matt Milner's recent essay at Christianity Today reminds us that we might consider Mary Theotokos, Mary the God-bearer, as a priest. A priest who, in our reading this morning, offered the word made flesh to Holy Simeon, the God-receiver. But what's more is if a temple is a dwelling place for deity, a dwelling of God in a specific location, and if we confess that Christ is God incarnate, the word made flesh, then it might be apt to say that 
not only was Mary the first Christian priest, but she was the first Christian temple. As Luke describes it, after the angel Gabriel announced to Mary her role in salvation history, the angel says that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her in an image not unlike how we just heard the glory of the Lord descended upon and filled the tabernacle and the temple. God is everywhere, but God has dwelled with God's people in God's temple. And God has dwelled with God's people in God incarnate, in Jesus Christ, who himself dwelled at one point in the womb of Mary the God-bearer. We must not forget that the overshadowing agent who filled Mary the temple with the incarnate word is that very same member of the Trinity that presently dwells within every Christian. God is not just with us as Father. God's not just with us as one of us in the Son. God dwells with us by being in us, in the Holy Spirit. Do you not know, says St. Paul, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you received from God. It's perhaps unlike other religions, we don't have to go anywhere to get to God. The Christian doesn't have to go to St. Peter's Basilica or St. Paul's Cathedral. The Christian only has to go into oneself to find God there. And I don't mean that we find God in ourselves as ourselves. Rather, the heart of the Christian message is that ourselves are now oriented around an other, the other, who indwells us as the Spirit the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. God is everywhere, but God also dwells specially in some wares. God is present in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the word made flesh, in his mother, and in us as well. There's one other place where God dwells, which we might now contemplate. And indeed, due to the results of our vestries ruminations, we were invited to contemplate in a fresh way at our annual meeting last week. We might turn our minds to God's dwelling at 25W741 Jewel Road. That's right here. I had to look it up. God is everywhere, but in a temple-like manner, God dwells here in specific ways. God dwells here in our worship, in our hearing of his word read and preached, in the reception of the body and blood of God incarnate, and our fellowship and relationships with one another. To be sure, we don't need to come here to meet with God. There's no necessity that requires us to come to this space. But this is the space to which this community has been called. And, and now we're being called to contemplate ways that this space might better serve as a specific dwelling for God with us and to better serve those who would come to be with God here. Of course, God doesn't need this. And if you're here at this room, in this room at the present, then seemingly you don't need this space to be improved. But we all know that this space is not an easy one to get into, physically and conceptually. There are certainly people who would be here with us, with God with us, were it not for the difficulty in accessing this space. I was once a visitor to this building a year and a half ago in the summer, sans clerical collar. I came here with the intention of trying to discern if this was a place in which God's glory dwelled. Thankfully, I found that that was true. God did dwell here, but it wasn't easy to get into the building to figure it out. I think if I weren't a priest and weren't determined to visit every Anglican parish in this town, I might have walked in the doors and then walked right out again. 
And I have a body and a will that could push through the challenges of this space, that space. But, but I, and I think we long for a space that invites those for whom our present configuration requires even more effort, more effort even than they have to offer. I don't know that the sketches and the drafts we've seen are the only or the God-given way to achieve this end, but I do think that God's dwelling with God's people in a variety of manners is a, a vital theme to bring to bear on any thoughts, plans, prayers, or campaigns related to this sacred space. God is everywhere, yes, but God dwells here, and we hope to make this space such that more people will be able to join with us as God dwells with us. Amen.